Hey everyone, this is John Kennedy, and thank you as always for listening to Above Board with Canderpath. We are back with episode 57, and today we are honored to have our very own Michael Scott with us on the show today. Michael, say hello to the folks. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me on today, John, Matt. So Michael is a chartered financial analyst, and today we're going to be, we're, our conversation is centered around this topic called loss fatigue. Um, and there's a lot of different things to unpack, but we feel like Michael is specifically skilled and qualified at having this conversation. Um, Matt, do you mind telling us what a what a CFA is and what a CFA does? Or Thank you we... so much for throwing yeah throwing that to me, John. Yeah, it is a chartered financial analyst, as you stated 14 seconds ago. Um, he is an expert in all things related to investments, which is now you have a crystal ball as well. You know when the market's going to go up and when it's going to go down. And that's that's what your main role here is. Is that correct? Yeah, Michael? fortune telling is also included on the exam. We have to uh, make recommendations, and if they come to not pass, then we get kicked out of the program. So uh, <laughs> you also well, use star alignments. I'm a Virgo. Does that does that tell you anything about where my investments should go personally? Astrology is actually the second most used uh, thing in investment <laughs> forecasting, and while not as good as you know valuation, um, we, we we do use that as well. All right, where are we taking this thing? We need this thing to pass <laughs> compliance. Okay, so um, yeah, all that I was think, a joke. Yeah, we're we're um, I do yeah, like we're my all, charter. <laughs> we're definitely all feeling it as we close out 2022. Um, you know, market volatility, economic concerns, and worries. Um, and you know, like, like we said, you know, Michael, uh, being a, a CFA, um, talks with our, our clients and community a, a lot about, um, portfolio allocation, investment structure, that type of thing. And, uh, Michael, you actually wrote a really great art. This is our, this is our third quarter wrap up, um, that we did a few months ago, but you wrote this really great article and you used this whole analogy about preparing for, and then running a marathon, which, is what investing oftentimes can feel like. Let's maybe open it up with that because I feel like that is an awesome analogy for this whole loss fatigue conversation today. Yeah. So if anyone here has ever um, run in a, a marathon or a half marathon or really any... How about a long... 1K? Does a 1K also count? Because I like for to you, measure Matt, my races in Ks. If if you're running a K or a 5K, any sort of endurance event, um, you'll know that there are periods, whether you're training or whether you're actually in the race, that quite simply, easiest way to put it is it just sucks. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's not a comforting way of doing it. And when we look back over this year, um, that might be the greatest analogy to go for. We are in the midst of a bear market and it just sucks sometimes. Um, and I think that's really been weighing on um, our minds because it, it's uncomfortable, but even more so clients' minds because um, they're enduring it as well. Um, now, Michael, is this, is this the first bear market that we've seen? Uh, no, this is the first bear market of 2022. We, we had one back in 2020. Um, we briefly had a very small one in 2018. Um, I think then we have to dip all the way back to uh, 2007. We entered a bear um, so you're telling me the market goes up and down some years, it goes down and some years it goes up. And I'm obviously being very facetious in my questioning to you, but this is not yep. the first time this has happened. It's certainly not going to be the last time this happened. And 
looking forward, there's always going to be a, either a news event. You know, right now we're in the midst of a global upheaval with what's happening in in Russia and Ukraine, mm-hmm. and in here locally we're dealing with unprecedented inflation. There's there's always something, isn't that correct? There's always something, and it, it, it's kind of interesting. J.P. Morgan did a, a, a study on this going back over the past twenty some years. There's always something in the market when you point back to it that gives you a reason to not invest. Um, and quite interestingly, you know, over the past, I think, 22 years, 23 years, um, only 2006 was a year in which um, not a lot bad happened. Notably, Pluto lost its planet status in 2006, <laughs> but that was the only bad headline um, that year in the investing markets. Yeah, so, and I think where that's where we kind of get this conversation of loss fatigue where we have a year like we had this year market each and every quarter just continuously goes down and we get this feeling like <clears throat> this has never happened before that the market's never going to go back up again that it's all doom and gloom and what i found at least in our conversations is is we get really focused on looking at year-to-date numbers and the moment we pull back and even if we go back as far as five years year-to-date um, the market's up i don't know somewhere in the 50 percent range well, the average of that is about 10% a year. Now, it hasn't worked that way. The market has not gone up 10% a year. You know, it goes up 20 and then down 5 and then up 15 and then, you know, so it is this yo-yo going up a flight of stairs. But I feel like in a year that we're having this year where there's been very little reprieve from the downside and we saw a little bit of a dip and, and then a rise coming out of the summer, but it has just been one thing right after another for us. And I really feel like that starts to weigh on our clients' minds. Do you guys feel the same I- way? I'd like to acknowledge that um, we've said this a lot before, but it hurts more to lose than it feels good to gain. You know, when you invest, even though you can, even though you can like wrap your head around the idea that, yeah, this is, it's going to go up and it's going to go down. You invest with the idea that over time it, it goes up. And we have had, as you stated, 2018, 2020. So in the last five years, we've had three instances of a market pullback, but the prior two were very, what I would call as a quick recovery. You know, it was kind of like COVID happens down 35% in March of, of 2020. By the end of the year, the markets, you know, as we call it, you know, the US markets are positive. Um, Q4 of 2018 by Q1 of 2019, markets are positive again. So it was this bear market and then quick recovery. Whereas if you, as Matt said, you kind of pull it back a little bit further and you look at more recessionary type climates, the recovery is a little bit longer, but we are, we are, you know, we're humans of, of, uh, or we're creatures of habit and we're, you, you know, we have short memories. So we think back to like the last couple and we're like, oh, why isn't this doing the same thing? Well, it, it is a little different, but I just want to give some credit to the idea that anytime it's losing, it just, it hurts. And it honestly, it, I feel like I've always said this, like it hurts more to lose than it feels good to gain. Um, so Michael, talk to us about what we can do to combat loss fatigue and maybe just sticking with this analogy of running a marathon. Cause I really like it um, for any of our runners out there as you are running like sub five minute miles. So <laughs> yeah, I can so, really drive a sub five, five minute mile, <laughs> let alone have my feet removed that quickly. I was actually, when I was heading over to uh, the house this weekend, there was a point where I was sitting in traffic and I was like, I could literally run there faster than yeah. the GPS will take me. You should have. You should have just pulled <laughs> over and just gone for a and brisk gone jog. straight Forrest Gump. Just, just start <laughs> running. 
if anyone I mean, when I run the the fastest I've ever run a mile is like I've hit the sixes before, like high sixes. So I'm not bragging here. <laughs> and I feel like I'm all out sprinting as fast as I can for that entirety of it. I don't even understand how you run, how someone can run a five minute. It's just crazy. I'm kind of the same way, John. Like I hit the high six um, teens and I'm, (laughs) you know, really just out of breath after, after I hit the high six, six teens. Love it. Uh, Going back, go back to that question though, John, you know, and we've had this conversation, you really split investors or clients into two camps in the middle of a bear. Um, And, and one of them um, is the accumulators. So those of us who, um, are, are still working and still adding to our pile, meaning um, whether we're saving in our 401k or we're saving on a weekly basis from our paychecks or whatever that looks like. Um, it is uncomfortable for these individuals, but it actually offers them an opportunity to add to their wealth and buying things on sale. Everyone loves to go out shopping. This, this Friday is Black Friday. You can buy the same thing on Friday that you can buy on Wednesday for 30% off. That's the greatest feeling in the world, right? Um, this year, the market is doing the same thing for you. You can go out and you can buy great companies at discounted valuations. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're an accumulator, you know the, the best thing you do um, is kind of add to your add to your pile. Keep saving your 401ks, keep saving your IRAs. And I make this analogy in, in, in the letter um, that it's kind of like refu- refueling your body during the middle of a marathon. You know that. At mile six, you're going to start to wear down. So at mile four, you take your first bite of your your goo or whatever you're using in this race um, to keep the body going, right? Um, Now, if you're someone who's in retirement, obviously you're living off your pile. The one thing you do is you review the plan, right? Your, Your distributions are not static. They should be dynamic. So maybe that means this year we, we think about reducing our withdrawal or what does it look like if we kept this pace? Does the plan still make sense? And that's one of those dynamic training strategies. You you keep sticking to the plan or you adjust the plan along the way if, if you need to. Um, and, and those are those are probably the two best things to do in an environment like we are in right now where you're feeling overwhelmed or, or you keep looking at the losses and keep they keep thinking they they're only adding up. I, th- I think you just named something really, really important, and you said stick to the plan. Having a financial plan is not for you. Don't really start one when when the, when you're in trouble or when the market's going down or when when you're in a bear. You need to have a plan on the onset, and that's really I think where a, a big part of our job comes in is a developing a plan for a client. If it's the plan states that you have. 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds. And because the market has gone down this year, that number dropped down to 65%. You know that you must rebalance, right? That, that that takes the emotion. And as much as we can take an emotions away from investing, I feel like we are, we are much better off. I also feel like there's some things you can do, especially for those that are habitually looking at your 401k. And we're talking about specifically the accumulators. At, at some point, try this exercise of stop looking at the account balance, which probably <laughs> has gone down this year, and start looking at how many shares are being purchased when you add money to your IRA or your 401k or your non-qualified account. Maybe you should start looking at the share count going up, and you should see that go up a little bit higher with that same dollar amount as the market goes down. And I found that that small exercise can sort of just take us out of this mindset of it's, of it's always going down. 
I also think it's really important for those that are in the retirement years. And I actually had a meeting with clients here this last week. Um, and, and they said, Matt, how, they're accumulators right now. And, they, and they're you know, obviously concerned about the market. So we, we talked through that entire process. And they said, how are people retiring this year? And I said, oddly enough, we have a lot of clients retired this year, whether it's they retired early from, from their job and just got burnt out, or they got pushed out because of, of you know, delayed COVID um, you know, layoffs and things like that. And I said, it, it really just all goes back to having a plan. And then for our clients who are in the retirement years, it's having a large cash bucket, right? Being able to pull from the cash as opposed from a declining asset base is, is incredibly important. So I think the way you get through this is developing a plan. And even if you're not working with us and you're listening to this podcast, you can too develop a plan. You can determine how much you want to have in stocks and bonds and then make sure that that amount stays static across the board and kind of forces you to rebalance up against those numbers. So I think there's some some little things that we can all do to make sure that we're able to not have loss fatigue. And part of it is just not not looking at the balance, but maybe looking at different uh, metrics. Uh, are there any you guys actually talk to your clients about about what metrics to look at or ways that they can um, break out of this sort of, you know, looking at the accounts and seeing go down every single day and quarter? Well, I'll answer that question, or maybe we'll let Michael answer that question. I, I wanted to add what, to what you said, though, because that goes to back to this analogy of a marathon. Um, you know, Michael kind of talks about it's uncomfortable, it's exhausting, it feels like the pain will never end. And that's what we're recognizing, like, that's what loss fatigue is. Like, that's what it feels like right now. And you don't, we're, we're talking about the running of it. But as you just said, uh, Matt, you, you're you're sort of discussing the preparation side of things where, you know, you're identifying like what pace are you going to run at? Um, what are you going to eat and drink along the way? What shoes are you going to wear? Like, you know, that's that's the analogy, Michael, that you used where it's like, do we have the right advisor? Do we have the right allocation, which is the pace we're going to run at that type of stuff. And that that we know that investing is a very, very long term cycle. And there's going to be periods where we experience this thing that we're calling loss fatigue. And you're you're almost preparing for what will be the inevitable that there's going to be there's going to be hard times too um so i just i I wanted to add to what you said michael um go ahead and answer that question because i don't know how to answer matt's question yeah so (laughs) one of the things i like to do is long question by the way so good luck even finding where the point of that ended one of the things i like to do with with clients that are are actively taking withdrawals is walk through the portfolio with them when they're concerned and they're concerned about their pile and say, how are we going to meet the next, you know, three years of, um, of withdrawals that are necessary, right? Because if we think back, you know, 2020 we had a bear, but it was over in a month. 2018 was over in a quarter. If we go back to the great financial crisis, that the bear actually lasted about nine months. We have to go all the way back to 2000, 2001 to get a multi-year bear. Right. And that's when the, the market has fallen 20 percent several years. Um, so, you know, you feel kind of confident if we look at a multi-year approach, we're going to be OK. So with clients, I, I go through an exercise and I say, you need X amount of dollars a year for the next five years, the next three years. Here's how we're going to do that. And if we're able to meet that cash needs, let's not worry about how the portfolio fluctuates within that window. Because at, at some point, this bear will end, the markets will perform, the country is strong, the economy will recover, and, and that part of the portfolio would take care of itself. But 
we need to make sure the here and now is taken care of. And generally speaking, once we walk through um, those cash needs or how we're going to fund things in the next couple of years, people feel more secure because they said, I don't, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Who cares what the market's doing up or down? It's going to fluctuate. We know it does that. And I'm going to be okay in the meantime. Um, and, and that generally lends a lot of um, security to people because they understand how they're going to get their money to live off of in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic point. And then there's some additional things that can be added to it. Diversification, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making sure that we're not having all of our eggs in a single basket, but we're we're across a, a really good mixture between our stocks and bonds. Um, I also think that there's, uh, you know, in, in addition to that, is making sure that the overall plan is is being looked at, and not just in the bad times, right? In the good times as well. And I feel like one of the major things is at the end of 2021, when everything was strong and we had this fantastic year, some of the conversations I was having with clients was we need to pull back. And it was met with a little bit of a pushback of, well, what do you mean? The market's so strong. My, my portfolio had such a great year. Are you, why are you, why are we pulling back? Well, because we look at the plan. And again, going back to that, that simple analogy, if the plan was to have 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds because of such a strong market, we're at 75%. We know that we must pull that back and sell some of those assets that have done really, really well so that we can maintain this, this balance. Without that balance, the portfolio really starts to run away. And that's where we get clients who, you know, or, or, or individuals that have this really unbalanced mixture of stocks and bonds, and they end up getting in trouble because they've only been looking at the good times and not being not preparing for the bad times. Or in our, in our analogy, you know, having that bonk moment in the middle of a marathon where you hit the wall and you're like, how am I going to go on any further? You got to dig deep at that point and, and take some motivate, get some motivation and, and finish that race. Um, and, and we need to prepare for that because that's going to happen. I mean, I, I'm not sure if you've ever bonked in the middle of a race there, Michael, but I know at mile one, I've done that before. So, um, you know, <laughs> you got to make sure you prepare for the, the inevitable. And I think, I, go ahead. I think you need to, we also need to appreciate this year for a lot of investors hitting that wall that you hit in, in these races um, happened because I think in, in years past, it's been okay to stomach the bear when the equity markets go down because you can point to the bond side of the portfolio to be the buffer. Mm. And this year was one of those unique years where the bonds did not perform. You know, this is historically bad year for bonds. So not only do investors feel the pain on equities, they feel the pain on fixed income as well. Um, so it is kind of like you're, you're in mile 17 out of 26 and everything hurts and you don't know if you want to keep running or just stop and go to cash, right? Um, and it's kind of in those moments where you really, really have to look back to the plan and say, this is what we committed to doing. This is when we rebalance here. This is when we add money here. These are the things we do. Um, and that that's what gets you through to mile 23 or 24 when you just kind of, you begin to coast, you see the finish line. Um, so I really think it's, it's important to, to do take notice of that, that this is an uncharacteristically bad year for, for the markets. I just want to yeah. add too that it's it's okay to have an emotional response to what's going on. I mean, that's that's literally what we're defining in this entire conversation is, is what loss fatigue is, what it feels like. It's okay to have an emotional response. I mean, that's that's normal. But what we're talking about, at least what I'm hearing you guys say is, control the controllables, like, you know, the preparation, focusing on the things that we can do, almost pre-planning 
like we have conversations a lot when times are good with with our community of clients of like, hey, these things will happen in the future. And we're almost like stress testing and preparing for it so that we, we know there's going to be an emotional response to it. We just want to make sure that we walk through that scenario um, before it actually happens so that you're not surprised when, oh my gosh, things are going down. This, this sucks. This doesn't feel good. Um, so for me, it's like a recognition of, hey, it's okay to feel not great about what's happening. But as you guys said, control the controllables, like focus on the things that we can be doing. And a lot of that maybe was even pre-planning the emotion of, of you know, having a market pullback. And, and by the way, we're not robots. Seeing the market go down a significant amount or continue to go down, we are human beings as well. We mm -hmm. manage a lot of money for our clients. We are emotionally tied to it. And I think, I think you know, looking at those days and we can see pre-market, it's going to be a rough day. I mean, that, that wears on, <clears throat> on the three of us. Um, and we talk about it internally quite often. So we are not even you know, emotionally uh, divested from it. But I think where the difference starts to come in, and I've used this before in our, in our podcast is the doctor analogy. If I'm standing next to John and his arm gets ripped off and blood is squirting and gushing everywhere, I am freaked out, right? I am losing it, trying to take his arm and put it back on. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't know the first thing to do. I just see this horrible incident occurring, sorry, John. Why did my you know, arm have arm to off. get ripped off? Like, it's better I, than other things. Like okay, it's an arm. analogy. It's your right arm because I know you're lefty like me. So if, but if I'm a doctor and I'm sitting next to John and this happens, it's a completely different response, right? You're still freaked out a little bit because seeing the arm ripped off is not a good thing. But I now know, all right, step one is to stop bleeding. Step two is to do this. Step three is to do this. And I can go into doctor mode and and try to repair the problem or or, or reduce any additional issues by using my training. And I think that's really where the analogy comes in for us is it's, we're not immune to what's happening. However, our training kicks in and our, our combined here, 40, 50 years of experience of being able to say, okay, step one is you do this, you revert back to the plan. Step two is you rebalance. Step three is you try to control outflows. Step four is you make sure that contributions are still going in and we're still sticking to the plan. And by doing so, we can come out of this. And, and again, this is not the first bear uh, Michael just talked about. You know, I went through 2008, 2009. I went through, you know, right at the end of 2001, 2002, as I was getting into the industry. And what I learned collectively for me, I've learned so much, by the way, I've learned more from those bear times than I have from, from the good times, because you really figure out what you need to do and you kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I think one of the things that I've seen common in all of these is not to make a rash decision, an emotional decision, and not to say, you know what, I think I'm going to move everything to cash today, and then I'm going to wait for the market to get better, and I'm going to move back in. That historically has been one of the worst things that can be done because it is incredibly easy to get out of the market. It's so easy to hit the sell button. What's incredibly difficult is when do you go back in? right? Is when do you move this money? And so what we have figured out is that making these emotional rash decisions and, and making these large strategic shifts on emotion has always been a recipe for disaster. What has not been? Sticking to a plan, continuously rebalancing, making sure we control distributions, sticking to our budget if we're in retirement years, and doing some of those very sound fundamental um, of investing principles has always gotten us out of any one of these types of issues. Um, 
Quick question, Matt. What kind of doctor would I need to have by my side if my arm ripped off? I feel like that's <laughs> a really special, a really like, good doctor. An arm reattachment <laughs> surgeon. That Michael, you are our arm reattachment. Do you surgeon know anything about <laughs> arm reattachment? Is there any of that in the CFA training book on what do you do if hypothetically I need an arm a gets ripped off? Team of doctors. I need an anesthesiologist. <laughs> I mean, there's like a. There's You're gonna a need fleet. a lot of people and a really yeah. good surgeon. I think and you probably just bite a, a piece of leather. Insurance. Or wood, and then you like that's how they did it back in the Civil War days. <clears throat> okay, well, this is what, I was getting at, what I was getting at is maybe you need a team of doctors, and maybe we're that that team of financial oh. planners is the analogy. You know, Michael being the arm reattachment surgeon, um, you know, being our CFA and having you know multiple CFPs here at the office. Uh, you know, I think if this is the first time that you're hearing from Michael today, um, we would definitely encourage you to go check out our social. Or, or visit our blogs. So the last couple of, of uh, blogs that have been written, our third quarter update, uh, and Michael also wrote, um, you know, what is loss fatigue? So he's not only um, insightful, but he somehow manages to uh, make this stuff not completely boring. So um, good job, <laughs> Michael. Um, any, any parting thoughts or wisdom that you guys would like to impart on us? Yeah, I, I just had one piece and then we'll let Michael close us out. Um, I, I think the the last element, as we've looked at each one of our clients' financial plans, and that deals with the retirement plan is knowing where we're going. The investment plan is how do we get there through our investment strategy. Um, the estate plan, what happens if something unexpected happens to us and we have to revert back to uh, you know, uh, uh, wills and trusts and life insurance and all those things. But there's a, there's a one more component to it that I think is really applicable in this conversation, what's happening this year, and that's the tax strategy, right? So if we have investments in in this year, or if we're trying to rebalance this year, um, is taking a look at, at any of those positions that are, are at a year-to-date loss or at a loss um, that we might want to do what is called tax loss harvesting. And I know we have some pieces on that as well, John. I think we you just wrote something for our socials about tax loss harvesting. But I think that that's something that's really important to think about because we've always talked about making money in the margins, meaning the little things we do is really what starts to culminate to having a very successful financial plan. And one of those things is is looking at the tax avenue of this and saying, if we have an investment that's currently in the negative, do we potentially sell that investment, wait 30 days and a day so that we do not have any wash loss uh, uh, issues? And then we can repurchase that back and we can take advantage of, of taking some of those losses and applying those somewhat against any gains that we might have this year, uh, which there might be some phantom gains from, from some mutual funds, or using some of that as a carry forward. Uh, you can offset your income $3,000 a year against any losses and then carry forward any any additional. So there's some small things that can be done that I, I don't want to lose sight of in today's conversation. And we can obviously expand upon that in, at another time and or talk one-on-one with you about that. Uh, but that was the one piece for me that I feel like just needed to be mentioned in today's conversation. Michael, what else do you have to wrap us up? Yeah, I think, uh, Matt, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I would compare this to that is that is a very specific thing you can do. And I, I would give a more broad um, solution to this. In the, in the vein of running a marathon or endurance event, the best advice that I've been given and I've given to other people is just don't stop. Um, when you're in the process of doing it, I ran a half marathon last year with a friend of mine and it's difficult to do. Um, 
But the one thing I told him the entire time is we just can't stop. It, it will hurt so much more if you stop and you walk and then you try to start running again. Like you said, it's very easily to hit the sell button. It's very easily to start walking. It's very, very difficult to convince yourself to hit the buy button again or to get back in or to keep to start running again. And it actually hurts a lot more when you stop in the middle of a marathon, you start running again, just FYI. Um, the best thing we can say is keep sticking to the plan. If you're working, this is going shopping on, on Black Friday, you're able to buy stuff on sale. Um, if you're retired, take a look at the plan, see if it still makes sense, but don't deviate away from what your plan was. Don't go to cash simply because um, you are in retirement. The plan was put in place knowing that we would go through these troughs at some point in time. Um, and it's it's an all-weather type scenario. That doesn't mean you don't review it. You don't make small changes as necessary. Uh, but the, the last thing I would say is, is just keep um, going with a plan and don't stop. Jeez, Michael. I love your analogies. Um, don't stop. I mean, if it was as simple as that, it, it, that's, <laughs> just that do really it. is. Just, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The new Nike. Um, well, Hey everyone, thank you as always for listening to us on above board with Canterpath. Uh, Michael Scott, you, you know, you heard it here first, you know, a lot of his great advice and comparing it to running a marathon, um, a great blog on our website, uh, that he wrote, it's the 2022 third quarter update where he, uh, talks on those, on those analogies as well as loss fatigue. Um, and also we have randomly, Matt, I don't know how you knew that. Maybe you did know this, but we have tax loss harvesting that just posted on the site too. So for more information about what Matt talked about, we have that, uh, on our blog as well. Um, but again, thank you as always for listening, Michael, thank you for joining us. The rich B we missed you today, but, uh, we tried to hold down the fort, right, Matt? I think we did a pretty good job today. Holding down the <laughs> fort. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Take care.